maybe, maybe, you know, things happen. You had to finish that phone call. You had to line out your team, whatever. But every single time you show up five, 10 minutes late to the training, you don't value leadership development or training. And, um, and with that, if that's a value in our organization, we value that. We've seen success. And, and Yo, this is Christian D. Evans with Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our amazing podcast. This is where we reveal the top 1% of business concepts and systems and processes to scale eight and nine figure businesses. We interview top level eight and nine figure CEOs, business owners, and amazing TEDx speakers like David Meltzer. We got Nick Cavuto, Pascal Bachman, and so many others. And if you feel like this resonates with you, please share this with your friend, your family, and make sure you impact them as well. Because we're trying to spread the message on those that do not know how to scale eight, nine figure businesses and talking higher level business concepts. So guys, remember, enjoy the episode and be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning into Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. What does Chick-fil-A, Colonial Bank, Habitat for Humanity, Lenders One, Linux, Medical City, Fort Worth, Metro, Pinnacle Bank, Plaza Home Mortgage all have in common? Well, they were all taught and trained by this guy, our next guest. Guys, he has been incredible and uh, John Maxwell, John C. Maxwell certified coach. He has worked with small businesses with 50 to 400 employees, create leaders, team members that love to follow. He has been a huge impact in this category. He's the owner and CEO of Drew T. Jackson Coaching, Speaking and Training, and he has helped incredible organizations produce year over year, massive growth in their business. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, Drew T. Jackson. How are you doing, my man? Doing great, doing great. I see we both like to uh, put our middle initial in there, you know, a little distinction. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because, again, you just have immense knowledge, uh, not just coming from John C. Maxwell, because obviously he's he's got a plethora of knowledge, but it's like application, right? Actually making this happen and seeing very effective things. And one of the things before we dive into all the leadership and everything and, and just kind of, you know, um, unpacking a lot of that, what I'd like to start out with first is what do you think majority of companies, I mean, talking those those large companies, what do you think they do not do effectively that is one of the things that you kind of harp on or you educate them on the most? Uh, I think just being honest with each other. I think that's one of the biggest things is I'll, I'll be in a coaching session with one of my clients and I'll say, well, explain this problem to me. Explain what's going on in this situation. And they'll say this person is failing here, here and there. Um, they need to get their competencies up, whatever the case is. And I'll say, okay, um, have you ever told them that? Like, just exactly how you told me that right now? And they're like, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't do that. That might hurt their feelings or that might upset them or that might whatever, you fill in the blank. And at the end of the day, the people are upset because you're avoiding having those conversations. You're avoiding just being honest with one another, upfront with one another, um, kind of, you have to balance it and have that truth and grace, right? You want to tell the truth, but you want to do it in a grace-filled way that empowers the person to move forward and be better. But you cannot um, uh, withhold the truth and, and honestly share with people what is going to help them go to the next level in the organization. And 
Um, yeah, so, th so that's probably one of the biggest things that um, it's not complicated, Christian. It's really not. It's just about having the conversations and, um, you know, walking people through that, but, but definitely honesty, just having those honest conversations. Well, let's unpack that a little bit because you're also uh, you're talking like obviously truth and grace. And I think there's effective process and communicating that. And if you could kind of maybe give it as an example of, you know, maybe seeing that in, in, in an organization and a community, if you will. Um, OK, so you, you might have an organization where um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, of the five love languages. You ever you ever heard of that concept? Yes, yes, huge. Pain. Okay, so that people receive love in different ways, right? Um, some people, it's gifts, right? Gift giving, that's a thing. Other people, it's quality time. Other people, it's words of affirmation. And there's a couple other ones that I obviously don't have because I don't remember them. But uh, uh, but those those same uh, those same love languages, you could also call those um, the ways that people receive appreciation in the workplace. And, um, I, you know, I, I'll coach multiple people in an organization. So I kind of get this 360 view of what's happening in the organization. And I just have to pretend like I don't know what they're talking about, you know, when they share a story with me. But you might have a, a person in the organization, a business owner might be saying, um, gosh, I, I, I give my team bonuses. I bonus them out all the time. They, they hit goals. I bonus them. And they just seem ungrateful for all this money I'm putting out there. And then you have uh, a person on their senior leadership team and I'll have a session with them and say, they'll say something like, man, I never hear the owner of the company share with us that, that they appreciate us or they appreciate what, they, that, what we do. And, um, and so what I encourage these people to do is have an honest conversation about the different ways that they receive appreciation and recognize that on any team, there are going to be those, those five ways of receiving appreciation on that team. And really to have those conversations in person, say, Hey, where are we at? How are you doing? What's going on? Um, and, and, and interact in that way. What way would you like me to uh, reward you in the workplace? What, what speaks to you and really um, having those conversations with people and uh, in person instead of kind of griping behind their back. And so that's what, what I mean by being truthful, being transparent, being honest, being upfront about where we're at, but doing it in a way that, um, that is, is life-giving, that is not uh, there to tear somebody out. Because we can tell the truth, right? You're fat, you're ugly, you, you need to do this, you need to shave, you need to do whatever, right? You don't have any hair. You know, we, we could say all that kind of stuff, um, but there's a way that you can say it that is, is grace-filled, right? Um, and if you can't figure out a way to say it grace-filled, then maybe it doesn't need to be said. Um, may, maybe it's, it's unnecessary and you're just, you're picking at something. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of, uh, what I'm talking about with that, uh, with that concept. Yeah, and I really appreciate you diving deep into that because one of the things that I think is so interesting is like, just like you were saying, hey, I'm giving them money. I'm giving them, but that's not what they're wanting, right? That cup is not being full, filled. And so therefore, yeah. they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel love, even though you think, hey, my love language is, hey, when you give me money, I'm satisfied and I'm filled, right? And I see appreciation, but it's that vice versa. But it's like, 
So let me ask you this, because I'm seeing a huge push more toward, you know, uh, and it's always been there, but I've seen this a little bit more prevalent in larger companies now and, and mid-sized companies, uh, you know, personality tests and really understanding how to, okay, this is how to, you know, this, how this person communicates and how they can yeah. correspond with other, you know, project managers or project team members. Um, what are you yeah. noticing in that, in that regard? Yeah, I'm a big proponent of using um, simple, you know, assessments, personality profiles. I am personally trained in, in DISC, and I've been doing DISC for, I don't know, 15 years or so. I just find it, what I like about DISC is it's so simple. You know, you, you, a person's dominant, they're outgoing, you know, life of the party, they're steady, um, or they're super like accountant, engineer type, like detail oriented. and if I can, in the workplace, get my mind kind of like the love languages, right? There's five of them, not 25. Now there's probably subgroups of every one, but let's just focus on the big bucket items. And so the same thing is true with those assessments. If I can understand that a person that I work with, they want me to ask, how's your day going? Before I just jump into what I need them to do. And that, that's going to that's gonna help them. Um, move into work mode faster. If I do that, I have other people on my team that they're bullet point people, right? And if you recognize that and you know that and you say, hey, my emails are always going to be in bullet points. And um, that's the fastest way to get the information. And here's what I tell my clients. At the end of the day, if I want to communicate to you, Christian, then if it's about the end result and successfully communicating, then it's uh, it's my responsibility to figure out what is the best way to communicate that to Christian and frame that message so that it resonates with you so you can either take action, you can respond to me, you know, answer a question, um, or you can receive that information that I'm trying to communicate to you. But too often, I think, you know, people work hard, they get into that, that, uh, the highest place in an organization, they're the CEO, or they're the CEO of an organization, and they go, people just need to, you know, my way or the highway, they just need to, they just need to understand where I'm coming from. And more and more in the workplace, there's so much opportunity out there, you can work from home for thousands of different tens of thousands of different companies that aren't even near you. Um, the competition is so high, that that mindset doesn't work anymore. And people don't have to put up with that. So uh, yeah, personality profiles, they're foundational to all my coaching. I start off with them because that gives me an understanding from a coaching perspective when a lot of, a lot of what I do. So it's very simple. When I'm, when I'm doing leadership, I think the foundation of all soft skills is communication. And so sales, communication, right? Leadership, communication, team building, communication. You get that communication piece down, you're good to go. So a lot of what I do with my clients is communication um, help. They don't know how to have a conversation um, or, or navigate a challenge. And we go back to that assessment, that personality profile. And we say, okay, so this is where you're at. This is probably how you're interpreting the situation. These are your insecurities. Here's where they're at. Here's how they're interpreting what you're saying. Here are their insecurities. That probably tells us right there, we aren't mad at each other. We just, we're, we're missing, right? We're miscommunicating. 
And, um, and so let's, let's bridge that gap and figure out how we can take our message and get it to where they're at. Well, what I, what I love about this, this approach to me, it's like in business, it's all, we always think about just moving, hustling, right? Quote, unquote, that's like the new thing, right? Uh, hashtag mm-hmm. hustle. And the thing is, what I love about this approach to me, definitely building a team is that old adage of, hey, if I only have an, uh, an hour to, to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first 50 minutes sharpening the crap out of it, right? That, of, of that yeah. ax. And the thing is, mm. is it's to me, it's like this approach is so strategic and so sniper-like. It's almost like giving a, a, a cheat sheet of a game. And now I know what they, what they value, what, how they communicate. And I'm literally just giving it to them. And all of a sudden you start realizing all your projects are completed and developed and produced. There's not all this back and forth and just miscommunication. Now all of a sudden your business just explodes because now everybody's on the same page because you're communicating the right way, the right process. I'd love to kind of get your perspective. Is that because just give me like an example of some of your, your clients being able to implement these certain strategies that like, okay, now all of a sudden it becomes just so streamlined, so effective, getting the right people on the right bus at the right time and just headed in the right direction. Uh, if you could just share us a little bit of like what you're seeing. Yeah, so one particular client, um, seeing a lot of success with small business and uh, had a highly, highly successful leader uh, that worked for much larger companies in the past. Um, very direct in their approach to leadership. Um, and when they brought me in, you know, people, people bring me in when uh, they have an opportunity that they've never had before, or the yogurt hit the fan, right? <laughs> and, and there's a mess. And so, so uh, the yogurt had hit the fan and I mean, just bleeding, bleeding uh, staff, um, didn't like this particular leader. And so uh, came in, started right off with the assessments. Uh, and, and what I created for them was, you said cheat code, right? I, I created a cheat sheet for them where each new employee, um, when they're onboarded, they, um, I asked them their number one communication do and their number one communication do not. And the, there, there's a list of them in the assessment that I do. It's kind of unique to this assessment, but um, it has four or five do's and four or five do nots. And I asked them in my um, DISC assessment onboarding session with each new employee, I asked them, hey, what's your number one out of this list, the four or five items, what's your number one do? Um, As far as um, some of the do's by way of example could be like, do create an environment that is welcoming and warm. Um, Do uh, get right to the point when you wanna communicate with me. Do, let me do, do not, do not um, approach me in an abrasive way, right? So, so those are kind of some of the do's and do nots. And, and they answer the question on what their number one do and do not is. And then I put that on a sheet for them and we update it with every new employee and the entire staff gets that cheat sheet. So when they have to interact, they have to send an email to another, a fellow employee, maybe at the same level as them. Um, they know, hey, this person, they like me to ask, how's your day going? This person, they just want bullet points and they want you to be straight to the point, Um, whatever the case is. And so what that has done, we've actually done job satisfaction surveys with this company. 
and they have seen tremendous growth in their job satisfaction surveys where almost top, right? Nobody's perfect. No organization is perfect. But in all factors, as far as compensation, work environment, supervision, um, communication, I think it's like 12 or 15 different uh, areas that we do the job satisfaction survey on, they've increased in these areas. And I have to attribute it to one, the leadership team. Look, I've done plenty of disc assessments. Uh, I can sell anybody a disc assessment, right? <laughs> and it'll print it out and you can have it and you can feel good for a minute. I'll do a workshop with you and you'll feel good. And then most people, they just set it on their desk. They put it in the trash, never to think about it again. Those organizations will repeat the same problems that they have because they have not actually tried to apply it. This organization, we do monthly meetings and twice a year, we'll, we'll do a DISC training specifically. But outside of that, we're doing team building. Um, we're getting everybody communicating with each other, uh, interacting with one another. But every single employee, every new hire, I just got one today, every new hire gets that DISC assessment and then has a one hour session with me where I break down um, how they interpret things, how others that they work with, you kind of look at, hey, look, let's look at the cheat sheet. Here are the three, four people that you're going to probably interact with the most. Let's figure out how to talk to them, put together a game plan, and then set them off for success throughout the entire um, uh, pandemic. They didn't have one single person uh, leave. Now, you know how impressive that is. You don't have one person leave during the pandemic. I mean, we've been seeing the great resignation, right? And um, But they, they really worked on their team, and it's been huge. So, uh, so I'm really proud of them. I mean, it's, it's about taking that action. And, and anybody, you can get a DISC assessment for free online. You can you know, have someone internally do the training, but you've got to make it a focus. It's got to be something that you rarely come back to, and everybody is up to speed on if you want it to work. And you know, that, that, that's how it is with anything in your business. Well, Drew, what I like what you just said there is it's a very strategic approach on how to actually sprinkle this and integrate this into your culture uh, of your company. Uh, because that was my next question. It's like, okay, well, now that we know that this is very valid, um, but like you just mentioned, integrate that into the onboarding process, not just, you know, job training, but it's like, hey, you know what, um, how do you interact and how do you have this and how do you have this game plan with these individuals that you're going to be connected with? Just brilliant. I love this. Now, I do want to loop around because you, you do have an incredible ebook. Uh, which is just awesome. It is talking about keeping your A-team, how to retain top talent during the great resignation. First of all, uh, because I literally had someone on and he's a seven-figure, uh, mid-seven-figure business owner. And he's like, man, I'm having the hardest time just hiring people, right? And, you know, diff different caliber individuals. Um, and a lot of people are just resigning, like you said, for whatever reason. Um, now there's like the gig economy. There's now I can, you know, really be a coach consultant and and, you know, run with that and be, you know, make a lot of money in that, in that regard. Um, so really it's, it's really just understanding, okay, Hey, I still need to build my business, right. For those individuals, uh, walk me through a little bit about kind of the value that you have in that, uh, free, amazing, uh, uh, uh book there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think, like I said, I I'm simple, right. Simple, simple in my approach. Um, I think honesty is a huge piece when it comes to keeping your people, being honest with them. One particular incident was, um, th this is why people leave, right? This is, this is why people leave organizations. 
Um, I had a client and there was a person that was wanting to enter management. And <laughs> this, uh, this person had some communication uh, areas where they were lacking. And the senior leader told me very clearly, like, this is, these are the areas that this person is lacking in. And uh, I said, okay, once again, right, have you, have you had that conversation with them? Have you, have you shared that information with the person just like you shared it with me? And it was, once again, no, um, that might hurt their feelings. That's a little too like straightforward in what they're lacking. Well, the person is going around saying, please help me. I have done everything you've asked me to do to move up, to be in management in this organization. And I go to every leader in our organization. I ask them, what am I lacking to move up into management? And no one gives me a straight answer. And I am really struggling here on how to move forward and how to advance in this organization. And what happens with those type of people is, like anybody, they just move on. They go, well, obviously there's something in here where they don't like me. Um, they, they don't want to be around me. Right. And, and so, um, so they move on down the road. And so the key is recognize that we're dealing with people, you know, we're just dealing with people in organizations. If you want to overcome the great resignation, deal with your team like people. Deal with them like you would want to be dealt with, how you would want to be treated. Hey, just be upfront with me. Let me know where we're at, where we're going, um, what the challenges are, what the problems are, how we can, um, how I can advance. Why don't you ask me from time to time, not just in a year review, if that's even happening, right, in the organization, but why don't you ask me from time to time um, what I want to do, where I'm trying to go, and then help right? Come alongside your team and help them go to that next level. So those are, are just some things, just interact with people like people. At the end of the day, look, there, there are going to be opportunities. There are going to be people that leave your organization because, um, because they can get paid more elsewhere. And, uh, and if, if, if you can't pay them more, hey, then it is what it is. And those, those types of things happen. But um, Another thing I would say with the great resignation, there's just some weird things, you know, I mean, once again, business owners are people too, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they make weird decisions and, and, and wild decisions from time to time. But I've seen people let talent that has been with them for a long time go over a couple of dollars, but then they increase their pay at the entry level position to compete and get people in the door. And I'm like, wait a second, you're paying someone that has no skills, no understanding of your organization, of your culture, of what you're doing, of where you're going, no competencies, more, and you won't pay the people that know what they're doing and can do a great job and maybe get more capacity out of them. If you pay them a little bit more, you, you might even be able to stretch their capacity some more because they already know the job. You won't pay them, you let them walk. I mean, we, we've got to get this thing figured out. Have the conversations and create that environment where people want to come to work. And part of that really um, comes down to the vision. Where are we going? Um, people have to see themselves, see a future for themselves in the organization. I was having a session earlier today with a person and he was, he, he, he's just looking at 
where he was at in the organization and where the organization is going. And he's saying to himself, I don't know if I can, if I can make the kind of money I want to make here. I just don't know that this organization has the ability to pay me what I want to make. I don't know either. But someone who does know is the owner of that company, right? The owner of that company, if they have big plans of where they're going and what they want to do and all the positions that are going to open up, that helps keep a person in the organization because they say, hey, I have a place here in the future. If I continue to, to hone my skills and get better, I have a place here. I'm not going to go elsewhere. This is where I can uh, achieve the goals that I have. Um, for myself in this organization. So those are some of the things that we can do in this environment to keep the great people that we have. Well, it's an interesting perspective because see, and you're really hitting a good point because it's always in context, right? So many times when we look at our balance sheet or our metrics, we're always looking at dollar and cents. And we understand in business that the probably one of the biggest expenses taxes and people, right? And the thing is, is like you identify, okay, well, we got to cut the expense of what we can, which is, you know, people. And like you were just saying, however, though, sometimes you got to always think about not just the, the, the dollars and cents, but the input and output, right? Hey, I pay this guy $100,000, a little bit more than our competitor, but he's putting a lot more energy and our output increases by 5x, 6x, just by paying yeah. him an extra 20, 30,000 on top of what the industry average is. Hey, that's fantastic. Because like you were saying, now all of a sudden the output is just so much better. He's happy. He's excited. And he, the, 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 the retention, it, you know, obviously you, you keep a lot, lot a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's just so awesome to see what you're saying, because like you said, it's like, then what happens is sometimes you don't need as many people. You need less streamline. And then guess what? You just have higher caliber people paying top dollar. But guess what? They're, they're, you, know, you don't need 10 people to do one thing. Now you got one person doing 10 things because there is just an optimal person. Love to get your perspective on that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with, with what you're saying. And then recognize that, yes, you can have a smaller team of employees. Once again, that we're in the gig economy right? No longer do you need to fill every single slot with an employee. You can, um, got a, got a Chick-fil-A operator right now that, um, it's always challenging for them to get some of those folks that can stay late and, um, and clean the restaurant at night, uh, before, before you, you leave, nobody wants to do that. Right. And so how do you solve that problem? Well, there's always people out there that say, we'll come in, when your team is leaving at 10 o'clock and we'll clean this whole place and it'll be, it'll be beautiful when you come in the morning, right? That's saying, hey, we don't have to hire five more people to solve this problem we, with a certain availability and all that kind of stuff. Let's hire someone to specialize in that. And so I think a good way that uh, business owners can overcome some of the challenges that they're facing today is that gig economy. It's, it's the whole thing I was, I was taught years ago, you know, don't fight the calendar which the concept being there are ebbs and flows. There are times in every business, every type of business where it, it might slow down. Don't fight it, just recognize it. And then that's your planning time or that's your buildup time. That's when you do other things um, other than uh, what it is that you do. And the same is true with the economy that we find ourselves in. Don't fight the economy. Don't fight the trends that are happening right now. Figure out how to ride the wave of what we're in. 
and, and recognize, hey, I'm, I want to make sure if I do one thing, I'm going to keep my really great people. I'm going to keep my high potentials. I'm going to figure I'm going to have conversations with them. I'm going to figure out their dreams, their hopes. And I'm going to, I'm going to find out how I can help make that a reality and, um, and convince them that I'm the one that can help them get where they're trying to go. And then with those other items or, or the other jobs that are kind of left to the wayside, I'm going to figure out how I can bring in people that can, um, at a contract level, just to come in and do this, that, or the other. Um, and most businesses that can do that, you know, obviously if you have some high security, something or other, you can't do that. But, um, but most businesses can figure out uh, how to leverage the gig economy, the, the contract workers that are out there, great people um, to, to meet some needs in their organization without always trying to hire up and, and, and um, fill those roles. I love it. I love it. And let me ask you this because, you know, you're, you're bringing this really good point up. When you're coming to a business, would you say that you rely more on, okay, hey, let's implement systems, process, operations, or is it more of, hey, you know what, you got this amazing team, let's optimize that team, and which is what we just discussed as well, or is it kind of like a 50-50 split, or is it 80-20? I'd like to get your response regarding, like, the ultimate goal is to grow and scale that company. That's what a lot of owners and business individuals would want, but what do you focus on? I'd just like to see what you think. Yeah, yeah, so for me, with it's all about the the organization's desired results so yeah for some it is to increase revenue how can we how can we increase sales grow this thing for others it might be how can we tighten up our team get that leadership development process figured out so that we can be prepared to take on a, a multi-franchise opportunity that's out there that's only given to the folks that can show that they can reproduce or you might have people that say, you know what, we have a really, uh, you know, crappy work environment. Nobody wants to work here. And so we need your help in creating an environment where people love to work and they want to work. And so just depending upon what challenge they're facing, that is going to uh, change the approach. I'm definitely an, an optimized guy. I, you know, I, there, it's a problem when you've had success doing the impossible, right? <laughs> and and uh, I've, I've had people on my team where uh, other folks are like, we thought they were a lost cause. Like, I didn't, think, I didn't think that person would ever help anybody, but then they were on your team for a couple of years and like everybody wants them. They're in high demand, you know? And, and uh, you start to think, man, I, I got this gift, right? I can, I can turn uh, ducks into eagles, you know, or something like that. And, um, I do like to figure out if a person is not performing where they should be performing. Um, I like to figure out, man, what is the disconnect? What is the challenge? I always go back to that, that motivation. So, you know, behind me, I've got that, that statement, my dream is to help you live yours. And that is what just, flows through me. I really believe that when people identify their dream uh, and where they want to go and what they want to do, I mean, doing it is, is the easy part after that. Once you've defined what it is you want to do and where you want to go. And, and that for me speaks to that optimizing, like taking the people that you have and saying, 
man, maybe it's just one little tweak. Maybe just a couple wires are crossed in, in, in how they're thinking or how they're approaching things. And let's take this team and take the people that we have and move to the next level. And, and the reality is um, many times the folks like, like, so business owners out there, business leaders out there, if you have someone on your team that is really, they're just causing problems, they pick at everything, you roll out a new initiative and they fight you on it every step of the way. And, and they're just um, a thorn in your side. Uh, in my experience with coaching those folks, it's because uh, one of two things, they have not identified their dream and what it is they want to do. So they just come into work every day frustrated and, and they have nothing else to pick at or point at. So they pick at whatever you're doing. And then the other group is uh, people that do know what their dream is or what they want to do but they don't know how to take action toward it, towards it, or they're afraid to take action towards it. So I have helped many people like that <laughs> um, put together a plan, figure out what they want to do, or put together a plan and kind of encourage them to, uh, to move on into that place where they want to go. And every single time for the organization, the leaders come back to me, they go, my goodness, that was addition by subtraction. Like we lost that person but I feel like our productivity went through the roof because now we don't have someone pulling us back. I don't have that thing when I'm trying to go to sleep at night that's just frustrating because this one employee is going to fight me on whatever it is I'm trying to do. And then that person's happy and satisfied because they, they uh, are going out there and, and doing whatever it is that they want to do, whatever their dream is. So I would really challenge and encourage uh, business owners, business operators out there to if you, if you have someone that uh, is just kind of fighting you and they probably do well, or you would have gotten rid of them at this point, but, um, but they're kind of fighting you on things. You might want to just have a conversation with them about what their dream is, where, where they, uh, where they see themselves uh, moving forward and, and what gets them excited and, and help them make that transition um, so that they can, they can be happy, and then you can also um, boost your, your team. Well, speaking of that, let's identify that a little bit. Maybe there is this synergy, and you don't know exactly how to explain it, but you know that there's, okay, there's, there's, there's not that synergy anymore, right, because of this new person. What would you say are some red flags that would say, okay, hey, they're disrupting. And because the reason why I'm asking this is sometimes it may not be the underperforming person. It may be like the high performer. And mm -hmm. it's just for some odd reason, it's just not, you know, really the maybe culturally a good fit for your company, whatever it may be. And you realize, okay, the, the, the synergy's off a little bit. Yeah. So what would you say are some red flags that say, okay, you know what? I need to deal with this. And then secondly, like we were talking about in communication, how do you effectively maybe bring that up? Maybe give them some grace. Do you kind of correct his action, or do you say, "Hey, you know what? Let me let me help you find another job. Let me because I, you know, let me help you." Like you said, "Hey, you're not a good fit for what we got, but you still got an incredible value." Love to walk us through that a little bit, if you will. Yeah. So red flags for uh, chemistry. You know, that's one of those one of those items, right? Just it's culture, chemistry, kind of kind of. Um, I like the three C's when you're hiring your character, competency, and then that chemistry, but that chemistry one, 
you don't really know. Character, you can kind of figure it out if you ask a few questions. The competencies, you can look at their experience and maybe have a conversation, figure out if they know what they're talking about. That chemistry one, though, many times it's it's a feel thing and you don't necessarily know it until you're um, you're in the thick of it and they're they're already on the team and the, the train's moving down the track. So decision making, right? How how are they making decisions? Um, would would be something that I would look for. Um, are they making decisions in alignment with what you're doing, or are they making decisions counter? Um, another one would be just uh, uh, eagerness, attentiveness when you're sharing kind of where you're going as an organization. Um, is that person? giving eye contact? Are they focused? Are they, are they into what, what's going on? Or are they looking at the phone, kind of distracted? Um, another one would be, I, I did training with an organization. They hired someone at a very high level uh, in the organization um, to lead a team. And whenever we would do training, this person would always show up five, 10 minutes late. Just every single time they showed up five, 10 minutes late. Now, one time, okay two, three times over a 10 week period, maybe, maybe, you know, things happen. You had to finish that phone call. You had to line out your team, whatever. But every single time you show up five, 10 minutes late to the training, you don't value leadership development or training. And, um, and with that, if that's a value in our organization, we value that. We've seen success and, and, and achieve success through leadership development, communication training, team building stuff. Then, then there's a misalignment on the chemistry here. And ultimately, that person did not last with the organization. So um, those are some of the things that I would look for. Now, here's how I would have that conversation. I, this is what I tell all my, all my clients. If someone is not... Um, they're not executing. They're not getting the job done. They're not meeting the deadline. Whatever the case is, they're not executing on one level or another. There's only two reasons, only two reasons, Christian, two reasons why people don't execute. They are either unwilling or unable. That's it. They either don't want to do it or they don't know how to do it. And it's your job as the leader to figure out which one it is. Do they just not know how to do this and I need to teach them? Or are they saying, I think that's stupid and I'm not going to do that. That's a waste of my time. So a simple way to do that is just have the conversation say, um, so here's truth and grace, Christian, here's truth and grace. Um, an example. Uh, hey, Christian, uh, I know that you didn't get that um, report into me by Friday like I needed it. Um, and so what I found, and this is just in my experience, but what I found is that there's really only two reasons why people, you know, fail to execute, um, and it's it, it's either that they're they're unwilling, like they don't want to do it, or they're they're unable, they don't know how to do it. So, um, Christian, I don't want to make assumptions, but Christian, which category do you think you would fall into? And then just shut up, right, and and let them talk. Because here's the thing: if someone, uh, is really unwilling and they have a bad attitude about it, they're just going to show their true colors. They're going to say, well, I thought that report was kind of lame. I thought it was useless. 
and, um, and unnecessary. And so I didn't do it. Uh, or someone will say, I'm really embarrassed, Christian. Um, I didn't fully understand what you were saying um, and how you want that report. And I really dragged my heels and, uh, and, and I just failed to, to do it because I didn't know how. And I, I didn't ask, okay, Hey man, just ask me. Right. And then you can have that conversation. And uh, I actually talk about that in, in, uh, my book on how to delegate. So the executive leader's handbook, really, how do you delegate to different types of people? And, and part of that is really determining where are they at on that unwilling, unable spectrum? And sometimes the unwillingness is, it's a, just an immaturity. It's a bad attitude in the moment that you can work through and you can say, well, well, here's the deal. My job is to assign what I need done. And, and that report's very important to me. And so I know maybe from your perspective, it doesn't seem important, but, uh, but I really needed that by Friday so that I could read it and be prepared for Monday. Um, but uh you know, and, and you can move on with the conversation and, and educate them on why it is important and, and have that conversation. Or sometimes you just realize, hey, this person has got a sour attitude and um, it's time for them to, to go. I'll, I'll give you one caveat. There are sometimes there are people that are just insecure. So um, they know what to do. They have a good attitude about it, but they just they're shy, they're, they're, they're not executing on it because they're insecure about it. And when this, where I see this the most is in new leaders or people that are in a new role. And maybe now they're leading a peer and they have to tell that they have to hold their friend accountable. Someone who was on their same level for many years, they came up together and now they're the boss and they have to hold them accountable. And that's when you have the conversation, you say, look, this is, this is part of the job now is for you to have those conversations um, and, and that's an insecurity thing. They know what to do. They have a good attitude about it, but they just are a little insecure about it. But that's rare. It's, it's most often unwilling or unable. And that's how you, that's how I address it. Teach my, my clients to address it. Wow. That is really, really awesome insight because just like you said, it's that maturity, right? Coming in, you're not making assumptions as a leader because it's so many times we like to, and then we just get mad and frustrated and the emotion drives it and not logic and say, okay, you know what? Calm down the emotion and say, okay, maybe they didn't understand. Maybe they are just not willing, whatever it is, we get to the root of it. And then once you get to the root of it, then you're able to, able to identify it. But like you said, it's just that very uh, candid conversation, but also just the way you communicated it was just really, and I don't want to assume, I just think that was just beautiful insight. Um, and I like the pivot slightly a little bit as well toward like more of that leadership as well. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things that I always found interesting, and I love the way John Maxwell talks about it, is one of his missions is, you know, to help leaders lead others, right? Now, when it is very difficult, though, when you are a leader to actually lead leaders, because naturally they are, you know, they, they've got their own stubbornness, they got their own ambitions, they got their own motivation, they got their own vision, right? And it's almost like, you know, you got an entrepreneur, and then you got all these other entrepreneurs trying to work together. It's yeah. tough, because everybody likes to be their own entrepreneur, right? to be their own boss. And so, what have you found is the most effective way to keep that that that, that synergy, that that relationship, um, and then as well as driving for that bigger cause? So it's it's all about the vision buy-in. You've got to um, you've got to allow people to be part of the um, solution creation process. So. If you're a leader trying to lead other leaders, 
you, you've got to um, get buy-in to the vision, to the big idea. And then you've got to allow those people to come along and participate in how that works out. So one, don't, don't come in and steamroll everybody, right? That, that's a surefire way to get a ton of resistance is if you're trying to lead other leaders and you come in and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm the big dog. I know what's going on. I have the experience. I got the plan. You guys just need to get on board. It's like, uh -uh, I'm out of here. Yeah, you're on your own with that one, right? But if you come in with humility and you say, hey, guys, I'm super excited about um, this thing. This idea. When you talk about John Maxwell, uh, I mean, he's trained leaders in every, every country of the world. So um, you have to get other leaders involved to buy into that. And so you, you sit down, you go, hey, we've got this big goal. And there's no way that, that any one of us could do this on our own. And, and you know, I'm only good at a couple things. Uh, you, you might say, I'm good at, you know, I've got a good network. And uh, I'm pretty good at, at connecting with people. But outside of that, I mean, you guys are all great at, you know, logistics. You're great at, uh, at building things from scratch. And, and it's going to take all of us to get involved with this. This is the goal. This is where I, I think we'd like to go. Um, what do you all think? Help, help me figure out this out. And that's where you get that buy-in. That's where you get that synergy when people go, hey, I think we could do this. And you go, great. Let's, who, where's the note taker? Let's write that down. Awesome. I think we could do this. Great. I think that's a fantastic idea. Let's make that part of the plan. Hey, what if we reached out to this person? Let's bring them on the team. Let's do this. And you do that. And then people, they're solving the problem with you. And the buy-in is through the roof. This is what I teach um, my clients with, once again, in, in the book, the vision buy-in thing. I mean, it, it works on so many levels, but uh, this is what I teach my clients with their team. Don't go into your, your uh, vision casting time sharing where you want to lead the organization, um, only have spoke, only have up until that point spoken with other C-suite people about the vision or about where you're going or the new initiative, because you are so far from, uh, you know, customer interaction, um, guest interaction, client interaction. You are so far removed from that. You have multiple blind spots. And then you've got to figure out what's in it for your team. Like, why, why should they care, right? Everybody's always asking that question. What's in it for me? So go back. Leaders are the same way. You're trying to lead a team of leaders. They're asking the question, Christian, great idea. Christian, great business idea. But what's in it for me? Like, why, where do I need to, I need to clearly see where I benefit from this initiative, from this idea, from this thing that you're trying to get me to buy into and to put energy and limited time resources into Man, what's in this thing for me? Well, here's what's in it for you. You know, you're going to, it's going to elevate our platform. It's going to introduce us to new people, right? It's going to um, create those connections that you've been trying to do. So all of that stuff, it's, it's about vision buying and getting people to be a part of the solution and, and the creation of the solution. Um, and, and that's really how you, you get buy-in from people, whether it's leaders or, or team members. So correct me if I'm wrong. So what happens, because I, you know, you look at the franchise opportunities, the same thing, you have the CEO, but then you also have all these individual independent business owners, really, that are all part of the same streamlined system or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is like, hey, give them ownership, 
but then also drive the vision. But then with that, it's almost like a community situation. Hey, what is our vision? What do we, what do, what do you guys want to accomplish? What, what's our big thing? And then obviously uh, what I love to do, and this is something that I did with my family is when I created my values for myself or my family, we all, what we did was we all came together. They kind of wrote down their values and then together, then we brought in, Hey, what are our family values? And that's yeah. kind of what you're saying basically. in, in that kind of analogy. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's, that concept, you, you talk about the family dynamic, you know, my, my wife and I had an idea of where we want to take the kids this summer, but now we got teenagers, 17, 14, and, you know, they have their, you know, they have their opinions and up with ideas and they said, Hey, this is where we want to go. Actually, totally opposite of what we were thinking. And we're like, great, we'll make it happen. Like, it doesn't matter to us. If that's where you want to go, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. It'll be fun. Um, and they're bought in. There's no like, hey, let's let's get excited about vacation. No, they're already excited because it was their idea. So yes, absolutely. The same way that you did with your family is the way that you get buy-in from your team. And we, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, I love that. Even diving deep into that a little bit. So like when you become like a level five leader is kind of what John Maxwell talks about. It's like, hey, being able to pull back and actually then really just, be on the sideline and congratulating your leaders to succeed. And that's yeah. kind of what you're saying is like, now you've got kids and it's like, Hey, figure out the logistics. You want to go there, figure out the logistics, the hotel, we've got the resources. Okay. And then now all of a sudden plan the trip, whatever. And now you're giving the opportunity, the ownership yeah. to go out there and they drive it and it's still a family vacation, but you're not dragging them. You're, you're hey, wonderful. This is wonderful. This is awesome. I love that. I, I really love that approach. Um, kind of let's talk a little bit about like, you know, making sure that we sprinkle that in and as the top level leader, how to make sure that you, like you said, I think humility plays a big part in that self-image, self-identity. Like I already know who I am. I don't need more accolades, but if you could kind of help us, like what are some characteristic traits that you find that those best leaders uh, present or have that they say, Hey, I can pull back and really allow the whole, all the other top level leaders really excel. Well, you've got to, um, you cannot be an insecure leader. So that, that's probably the biggest, if I just pick, picked one um, attribute is to be a secure leader. Like you said, secure in who you are, secure in what you've done and what you're doing. Um, you've figured out that your skill sets, um, like leadership communication, great, that's it. You know, I don't, I don't have to have a bunch of other skills. Everybody else can do those things. Um, this is where I thrive. This is where I move the needle for our organization. Um, once you've identified those, then you can clap. Then you can celebrate the rest of the team. If you as the leader are still trying to figure that out, then you're going to always feel threatened by the rest of the team. If you feel threatened by the rest of the team, then it's like the, the old game um, at the arcade when you had the, the hammer and you hit the gopher, right? That their head came up. Mm. Whenever one of your team members shines, you're like, bam, I got to put them back in place, right? You're just, you're just looking for someone to shine and outshine you and, and you have to put them back in their place. And that, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's when people start looking elsewhere for employment because people recognize I can't, I can't excel here. And unless there's some other thing that pulls them and drives that person to be in the organization, something bigger than dealing with your insecurities, 
they're going to leave at their first chance that they can. So um, the biggest thing that a person, uh, a leader could do is, uh, yeah, just really get secure in who they are. Take the time to explore who they are, what their skills are. Be content, excited, you know, happy with that. Know that you're constantly growing and you're trying to get better. But um, uh, having an, uh, an air of humility about yourself is, um, is going to be huge. This, another thing, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, that, that, right, when, when you take yourself too seriously, it's so easy to get offended. And, and you think, do they know who I am? I remember when I was, um, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I mean, this is embarrassing. I worked at Costco. I was in a leadership role, management role. And um, I had this, this gal that um, she, she worked in the organization and I was calling her over. Hey, can you come here? I think I was doing like a, you know, running breaks or something. And, uh, and we have all the cashiers and I think she was helping out bag stuff or box stuff or whatever the case was. And I said, Hey, I need you over here. And she did this to me. Like she just did the finger and like, didn't look at me. It was just like one minute, you know? And I was like, she's dead now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's it's scorched earth mode. And, uh, <laughs> and so anyways, I, I got super offended or upset by that and wrote her up or something like that for being disrespectful to me. Um, and looking back on it, I'm just like, you know what? She was doing something else. She was talking to a, a, a customer, a member at Costco, and I needed to recognize that and, um, and then just not take myself so seriously. It's just not that big a deal. So um, anyways, yeah, I, I think when you're, when you're insecure and you're still trying to find yourself, you're going to squash other people. And if you take yourself too seriously, then, I mean, you're just not fun to be around, right? So. Well, I love, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that because I think we've all been in that situation. Like, oh no, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. And oh shoot, you know, yeah. but we all look back at that experience like, oh man, I don't want to tell this, but it's funny because, and I love these, the subject uh, in particular, because this is something I personally struggle with tremendously um, throughout my journey. When I was building my business, it was all, you know, arrogance. It was pride. It was, you know, I really don't want anybody else to shine. And then when I really started, you know, making leaps and bounds, uh, it was more of like realizing, okay, the reason why I was so prideful and arrogant was because I wasn't, wasn't really confident in my capability. And I was trying to get my self-identity from other, you know, things, other projects, whatever. And then and there was a lot of come to Jesus moment in that situation. But then all yeah. of a sudden I sort of realized, oh, now I know who I am. No, I know what I do. So when I go into a room, it's not at all cockiness or even confidence. It's just more of this, 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 this relaxation. It's like, hey, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you because I know what I've been able to do. I know what I've been able to create. And like you just mentioned, it's a humility. But what I like, like what you said, and this is what I enjoy, John Maxwell, and obviously you're, you're certified coach with him, is just like the whole concept of, hey, you know what? pride and you always have to be aware of pride because it does sneak in even when you start achieving great accolades and so you know drew you've been able to achieve great things you've been able to produce incredible results for your clients at a very high level and just on a personal note like how do you keep your pride in check and keep that humility in in place what what are certain things that you do man um you know family i got five kids so <laughs> that'll that'll keep you humble um, I thought I had it all figured out when, you know, little kids are easy. You just kind of 
tell them, uh, you know, right and wrong, don't run in the street and uh, go to school, do your homework, right? It's pretty simple. And then they become teenagers and they have valid arguments. Um, they, they challenge your thinking. Um, it's not as easy as this way or that way, um, right, and, right and wrong. There's, there's all these decisions on how do, I, how do I let them grow and develop and become their own person. And so I think that's one thing that keeps me super grounded is, um, you know, just that I'm a dad at the end of the day. You know, I, I'm a dad. Um, when I come home from whatever, I could go speak somewhere or um, have a coaching session with someone that is just, you know, an amazing leader of an organization and have that high. And then I come home and it's like, you know, hey, what's for dinner? Or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, the toilet stopped up. Can you can you fix it? And it's just the, the, the everyday stuff. And that's where I think not taking yourself too seriously. So there's that dynamic. And then there's also, um, if you have a big goal or a big dream, then you're not, you're not there yet, right? So that's always humbling. And, and, and you go, I've got a long way to go. I got a lot to figure out. I've got so much to do to get where I want to go. I, I, I found that when people have more short-term dreams or short-term um, short goals, uh, once they achieve them, sometimes they can be lost after they achieve it. And they're just kind of floating there. And I've had friends that have had these amazing milestones in life that you go, my goodness, you're 10 years ahead of where you should be at your age and what you've accomplished. And they're just stuck, just flying over the airport, right? Because they don't know what to do next because their dream was not beyond that point. Their dream was just to get that achievement. And so um, I think always having an ever expanding dream and vision, it humbles you because you go, my goodness, this is bigger than me. I can't do this alone. I can't do this um, uh, by myself. I've got to get people around me. And, and that is always gonna, gonna bring humility. And I think at the end of the day, we can choose to be humble or we can be humbled by life. And um, it's a choice that we make. I think in both situations, people give you grace. You know, you receive grace um, if, if you humble yourself and you say, hey, I blew it here. I, I sent an email to a client today. Hey, I blew it. I messed up on my calendar, on my scheduling, and I got to reschedule something. I totally blew it. I haven't gotten the response yet, but I guarantee it's going to be better than if I said, um, got to make a change, um, you know, didn't, didn't explain that. I just, I messed up. Right. And, um, when you, but when you humble yourself that way, people tend to give you grace or, uh, you can get humbled by life and then people feel sorry for you. And so <laughs> you I can pick, pick which one you want. I love that. You, you, you choose to be humble or you will be humbled. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that's basically how it goes. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Hey, I just appreciate the immense value that you brought in today, man. And just having this yeah, awesome nice. conversation. Uh, Drew, how can our audience just reach out to you, be part of your community, what you've got going on, man? Yeah. So the easiest way you can get, I'm giving away my book absolutely free at the executive leaders handbook.com. So the executive leaders handbook.com. You go there, you can get the audio version, me reading it to you, or you can get a, a PDF of it. And um, really what it is, is a handbook. So on communication, leadership, and then mindset. 
And it's filled with answers, simple three-page, four-page answers to the questions that, that uh, leaders face on a daily basis. And so um, that's the best way where we can kind of get connected. And, um, and then also LinkedIn, Drew T. Jackson, my YouTube channel, Drew T. Jackson. Um, type in Drew T. Jackson in Google and, and you can find me. Awesome, guys. And those links will be in the description below. So make sure you stop and literally just, you know, put in information and request that free book and that audio book. Uh, Drew, that's an awesome, awesome resource for our audience. I really appreciate that. Uh, and then before we let you go fully, um, what are a few last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience? Oh, man, words of wisdom. Um, I would probably just go back to, um, you know, if you're, if you're leading a team, recognize their people, their people just like you and talk to them like a person, not like a, um, you know, a resource that uh, is, is in your control that you can use at your pleasure, but instead just as a human and have a human conversation with them. Where are you at? What's going on? How are you doing? How can I help? Ask those kind of questions. And I think you'll immediately see an increase in buy-in from your team and in, um, in uh, output from your team if you do that. That's awesome, man. And that is my friend, Drew T. Jackson. Guys, that is Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guest by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guest. That would be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just want to say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you want to have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to christiandevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. That's christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast and until next time, remember be uncommon if you can. Cheers.